In the podcast, we have leading hosts, and we have the best co-hosts. You, I can tell, are a leading host, but for some reason, you're behaving like the best co-host. The holiday is coming up next. Haven't seen it with Tim Sestito and Tommy Tevenay. Hello, everybody. Welcome on in. Thank you all so much for listening today. This is a podcast where one of us is watching a movie for the very first time. And today, that person is Tommy. Tommy's yeah. never seen The Holiday. Somehow oh never got around Oh, my God. I've seen this movie uh, like five or six times. <laughs> all, so I, I, all within a relationship. Just... It was not, uh, you know, not a man. Yeah, own. yeah. Uh, so somehow uh, girls that I dated have never like, gotten me to watch this movie until uh, this morning. So, yeah. <laughs> there you go, Tommy. So so would you say having uh, somebody that you care for sitting on a couch with you watching a movie enhanced this movie experience? Definitely. 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 I'd say so. So, yeah. So I, I definitely think it was, if I watched this movie by myself, I probably would have just not appreciated it as much. <laughs> I mean, I just watched it by myself, but I've also seen it like a bunch of times. So it was just more yeah. of like a refresher remember, remember the i was like paying attention to more of the little details of it but before we dive into the holiday we have to discuss something here now we don't have <laughs> video capabilities yet at this moment in time but yeah. tommy who is he loves music he go he works concerts he goes to shows like multiple times a week he's this guy lives at, at concerts yeah and i see he has an american idiot shirt on and i was talking to him about the album before we started recording and he's like, yeah, man, like some of my friends showed it to me like a year, year and a half ago. And that just absolutely blew my mind because it just it fits your like your personality and your personality so perfectly. Yeah. Like it just feels like it was one of those albums that defined you and like shaped you like it did for me. Like that's like that's like a, a staple album for me. I've listened to it cover to cover so many times. Um, uh, how this feels like the Godfather can, all over again. We, we could almost like rename this podcast. Haven't listened to it. Just like have a music spinoff podcast right here. So this is where it starts. But yeah, for some reason, like I was a classic Rob uh, rock snob like throughout high school. And oh, I so was like, I. I still kind yeah. of am. Well, yeah, in, in some ways, like I've, I've gone a little bit past that. But like you know, for a while, I was like, oh no, music past nineteen ninety was good. So like it took me a while, and like yeah, you know, then went through my indie phase, and like the last few years, I've been going back through my punk phase again. And then instead of just focusing just on like classic punk. I started listening to more of like, you know, the Green Day, uh, like Good Charlotte, shit like that. And just like pop punk stuff that I'd missed out on back in the day. So it's just like, okay, fuck it. This is what I'm missing. I saw Green Day last year. Fucking love them. And then this Green Day sure is giving me some grief. I remember uh, when I went to go see Crimes of the Future earlier this year with um, our buddy Will, friend of the podcast. Uh, I was wearing the Green Day shirt and we were really tired coming out of the movie, just exhausted. And some guy came up to me and he was like, Hey man, like, what's your favorite song off that album? And like, my brain was fried. I was not ready to answer. I was like, ah, I'm too tired. I don't know, man. <laughs> what are you like, a hot chick wearing a band T-shirt? Yeah, yeah. You're a fan of Green Day. Name me three songs, dude. That's what I felt. I was like, oh god, now I know how every girl uh, feels when they wear a band shirt. Shit. <laughs> Tommy, how often have you gatekeeped women wearing T-shirts? Be honest here. Never, never, no, never. Oh, that, that's what that's, that's a... what happened. In- no, no, that's what happened to me when I first started getting into music in sixth grade. Like people in sixth grade would tell me, like, "Oh, you like Aerosmith? Name ten songs." And just that pissed me off so much. Like, I don't subject people to that shit. <laughs> yeah, well, that's just like the argument of somebody that just like can't 
like see somebody wearing something that they like that they don't yeah. want to like it or think that they shouldn't like it. Mm. I mean, obviously there's people that pose with it because of the aesthetic of it. You know what mm. I mean? Like I feel like Nirvana shirts are always super popular with, yeah. like, in pop culture. And it's like, they know smell like teen spirit and like come as you are, but like they don't, you know, like if you said in utero to them, they don't know what it is. Do you know mm. what Nevermind is? They don't know what they don't know what that's referring to. But like, yeah, there's some cares? people like that. Also, who gives a shit? Exactly. <laughs> who gives a, a shit? Shirt. Yeah, it's like whatever. You don't need to know. Be like an expert on the band you're wearing all the time. So, <laughs> I mean, I think my response would be if somebody tried to gatekeep me over a band music T-shirt, I would say to them, "This is a band. I th- just thought it looked cool," and then just like <laughs> walk away because I would oh, just yeah, stop no, them like... in their tracks, like. Oh, because you can tell like there's definitely those like neck beards that get like uh, like butt hurt about like someone wearing like a Ramon shirt and it's like oh you don't know like any of the songs like what the fuck and just like I thought that this was just like a clothing brand <laughs> just to like fuck with them just a little bit more and more <laughs> fuck with the, yeah just fuck with them and just like leave them in their tracks because they're not gonna have a response to it they're trying to it's like a power move they're trying to yeah. control you and don't let them so if you're listening and it happens to you tell them I didn't even know it was a band and walk away. Watch, watch their, watch their head just explode. <laughs> you like the Ramones? Do you, do you even know when they formed? Do you even know where they're from? No, dude, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, <laughs> I like the shirt. Sue me. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, this is the holiday. This spring, I'm Miles. I'm Graham. Finding love can be complicated. I'm leaving in nine days. Losing yourself in it, I'm in love with you, can be wonderful. From the director of Something's Gotta Give, The Holiday, on DVD and Blu-ray, March 13th. Tommy, if you had the chance and Jude Law just like looked you in the eyes with his like those striking blue eyes, like they're almost as pretty as my eyes, like they're up on that tier, you know? Oh yeah, yeah, you're real humble. <laughs> I Tommy, I'm a very humble person, except about my eyes. I I I've just <laughs> one thing. Men don't get complimented. I have been complimented on my eyes by random strangers too many times to not to not. All right, yeah, just about brag it. about it more. <laughs> I'm gonna brag about it, but that was not the point of this segment. I'm saying if if Jude Law looked at you and just with those eyes and just said, I think I'm falling in love with you, like would your heart just melt into your chest and just like you would want to like be be the little spoon while he plays with your hair? Because I think that's what would happen to me, and I'm not even I'm not gay. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's just pretty much irresistible at that point that you have the Jude Law charm. I mean, if Jack Black said that, maybe. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe for <laughs> maybe you, not. actually. I think Jack Black is probably <laughs> I, more I, I, for I you. Think, I, think, I think Jack Black is more my type than Jude Law lately here. Let's be real. So I'm on Kate with Team Kate Winslet right here. <laughs> Oh, I, I mean, yeah, obviously t- the team Kate Winslet all the way. I mean, she's just, she's, she's just fantastic. Like I, I love watching her in anything. Honestly, she's just, mm. she has that charm about her, but I, I think all four of them were great and like pretty perfectly casted um, in this movie. You know, you nestle up under a fireplace, a little mistletoe, a little hot chocolate and a blanket, right? Like, and you throw this movie on, like, you're going to have a great night, you know, it's just, it's going to be fun. It's definitely like the ultimate cozy like winter movie right here. So I, I can see why this is like a rewatchable for like people over and over and over again. So I mean I, I liked it, but this is an interesting movie where essentially it's just like two rom com where um you know, I think that my thing with the movie was I really liked like the Kate Winslet stuff with Jack Black and like her whole plot line, but I 
wasn't the biggest fan of the Cameron Diaz and Jude Law part. I mean, you know, I think their chemistry was good and everything like that, but I just felt like the plot in terms of that and the script in terms of that and, and that part was just romantic comedy cliche after romantic comedy cliche over and over again. <laughs> I agree, because, like, I've made the arguments to friends of mine that are women that love this movie, and I ask mm-hmm. them, you know, which one's your favorite part? And they all say the Jude Law, Cameron Diaz stuff, which is why it's in there, because this is who the movie is was made for, who it's targeted yeah. to. Like yeah. It's not this this movie doesn't exist for you and I to consume. I mean, it does, but you you know what I mean? It wasn't yeah, yeah. designed with us in mind, which is a good thing, because then you get to experience something that you wouldn't normally watch. And I'm watching this this what watch through trying to take it more from that perspective. Right. Because like mm-hmm. I know the parts I really love in the Kate Winslet stuff. I love the stuff with Arthur, the old man, like I'm a sucker. I know it's all bullshit. Like I noticed in this watch through, like Arthur was talking about Louis B. Mayer. So if you don't know who Louis B. Louis B. B. Mayer is, Louis B. Mayer ran MGM when they were the biggest studio in the ninth in the golden age of Hollywood. Mm. And he's like, I loved every second of working for him. He was the best. I'm like, pretty much everybody that knew Louis B. Mayer fucking hated him because he was a gigantic prick and he ran Hollywood. I mean, but he ran Hollywood. But I mean, he was a gigantic prick and a gigantic piece of shit. But like yeah. I, I still love when the movies just, you know, they romanticize it, right? Like Exactly. Maybe Arthur just had a good experience. Yeah, maybe Arthur was one of the people that just had a blind eye to all the bullshit. <laughs> well, he said that he was Louis B. Mayer's personal assistant. So I don't think it would be I don't think he just had some magical experience. It sounds like the worst <laughs> job in Hollywood to start off with, if we're being honest. Yeah, <laughs> so it's just terrible right there. So uh, I mean it's one of those things like I was ready to when we uh first started watching this movie, uh, I was ready to like come on here and dunk on the fact that they thought that Jack Black could be a leading uh, romantic lead in the movie, but somehow it worked for me. I think that they like sanded off his like they kept kind of his typical like comedic persona, but kind of sanded off the edges a little bit more. So it wasn't like, you know, like this isn't grungy Jack Black in School of Rock or uh, Tenacious D, where he's just like the guy in a band t-shirt that fucking like clearly like hasn't showered in five days or something like that. This is Jack Black. If he like had a little bit, it was a little quirky, but still was kind of just like kept, you know, kept together, clean shaven and shit like that. And like you could see him actually dating people. <laughs> well, I think it's in his rider that if he has to be clean shaven, not even just like a little baby scruff, he, he gets like, it's like 50,000 extra a day for every day <laughs> on set that he's clean shaven. Yeah, especially now where he looks like fucking Thor with his beard. Oh, he, <laughs> like, yeah, fat Thor to be to be in particular. <laughs> fat, uh, he's 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 more like uh, like the 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 steak puffed marshmallow man with a beard than, than yeah. Thor. But go off, Tommy. Well, fat fat Thor, fat Thor in the Endgame. I, I, <laughs> I, I got I got the reference, Tommy. That's yeah. fat shaming, and I can't believe that you would partake in that because there was a <laughs> bunch of articles by a bunch of people that write clickbait to annoy people. Um, did, did yeah. I just shit on a Marvel movie? Aggregator. Um, right there. You, so, you brought it up. You brought it up. I didn't mention it. But, <laughs> but regardless, yeah. So I think that Jack Black was very charming in this movie. I mean, like, that whole blockbuster scene was just like a really great, a great uh, show of their chemistry right there. Oh, wow. Tommy, what a setup, my man. Because guess what? I have that right here. Have you seen this? <gasps> Chariots of Fire. I loved it. Cling, 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 cling. Such a great score by Vangelis. He took electronic scores to a new level. It was groundbreaking. I'm going to test you on this later. Okay, driving Miss Daisy. Hans, very unexpected. Do you remember how great it was? Assassin. Love it. 
Is this a bad game? No. Okay. Keep going. Sometimes I get self-conscious about my go ra da 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 and scrattle da. Are you embarrassed by this game I've started to play? Okay. <laughs> it's not elaborate. I can go loud. Mmm. Bottom. Two notes. And you've got a villain. I don't know what to say about it. Totally brill. Uh-oh. Where have you gone, Joe DiMaggio? I bet you didn't know. That was all written for the movie. It was a score, technically. I didn't know that one. Can't go anywhere. Oh, my God. I love I love that line. Just can't go anywhere. So if you didn't know, if you haven't seen it, that's Dustin Hoffman. Yeah. At the video store. They got him for a little cameo where he goes, just can't go anywhere. Have you seen so the par- graduate comic? I have seen the graduate. So I, I think I watched that in high school. I think uh, one of the classes we watched it. But uh apparently what happened there was that Dustin Hoffman was literally just like going to Blockbuster to run a movie and then like he saw the lights and was like, Oh, hey, what's going on here? And then he knew Nancy Myers and she was like, Oh, Dustin Hoffman, quick, we'll just make this quick scene for you right here. So I have to ask you one question. Is this um, the last movie set in the present day that takes place in a video store? <laughs> um, no, wasn't there what, No, wasn't there that movie Be Kind Rewind? That is true. Okay, so you I, beat me right there. But... I think I think well, okay. In the in sense that video well, in the sense that a video store is like a successful business structure, yes. Yeah, I feel like now video stores are like the punchline of a joke. You know what yeah. I mean? It's just like you're working at a fucking video store. You know what I mean? It's just like a guy running a failing business idea. That's yeah. that's the business you put it in, like, or like some quick quirky like hipster bullshit within a record store too, or something like that. Yeah, in, in Portland or some shit, right? Yeah, that's where yeah. that would be. Um, yeah, uh, probably the last blockbuster, like in terms of them be like functioning as what blockbuster was. So. If, if you are younger and you never experienced the beauty and majesty of Blockbuster in its heyday, and you want to know what it's like, turn on the holiday. Yeah. Get to that scene and just just enjoy. Uh, yeah, I mean, Jack Black and Kate Winslet have that chemistry just like it sparks. You know what I mean? Um, mm. And I think it's because they're both going like the characters are both going through two very different things where they're both in love with very toxic people and it's getting over that toxicity that they, that they have. Like um, Mm. Kate Winslet is in love with like this guy she works with. Um, They've been like seeing each other for three years, but he's just cheating on her, never treating her right. But then making this big grand gesture to get her back Mm. and then just treating her like trash again. And Jack Black's dating like a model who's like out of his out of his league, quote unquote. And right after this, right after this moment where that clip cut, he sees her back in town after a shoot walking with, you know, Mr. Mr. Uh, Muscles, Mr. Tough Guy, Mr. Perfect down the street and breaks his heart. And it's they're attracted to people that are going to hurt them. And yeah. they don't know why. And they don't know what they can do to change that about themselves. Um that's why I think I, I liked uh, the whole like Jack Black Kate Winslet part more because I think it just felt like more natural, more realistic in a way where it's just like they start off as just friends and like you know they're both gain over exes where like Kate Winslet's like a pine over a guy that like constantly is like you know they're friends but like you know like they like it's a complicated she can't cover his feelings over him she won't let him give him the space to she won't give him or he won't give her the space to get over him and stuff like that and just so it's just constant like. A, vicious cycle and stuff like that i think that dramatically it worked a little bit more to me 
because that just felt more true to life and more or less romantic comedy uh, cliche bullshit. <laughs> well, here's the thing. The whole movie's cliche. Uh, that, yeah. Like that specific plot line is not cliche to, to rom-coms. It's not typical of it. All the stuff with the Hollywood bullshit and becoming friends with the old man who's the neighbor, like that's it. Like, yeah, Nancy Myers, I think her strength in all of her movies is, and I think this is why it even we'll get to the England stuff, and I know that's not your favorite part of the movie, but I think all the England stuff works because she's just she's able to elevate the the corniness of it. It's not it's because it's not a Hallmark movie, you know, mm. like Hallmark movies are fucking. Have you ever watched one? Have you ever sat and watched a Hallmark Christmas movie? I think I probably like watched one in the background when my mom had it on, like back when uh, I was living at home back in the day. Uh, I, no, no, I'm not talking about it was on in the background. You were kept walking in and out of the room. Have you sat down and watched a Hallmark Christmas movie? No. <laughs> I've done it once and it's fucking, they're terrible. They're, they're garbage. They're, yeah. They're, they are, but I, I know people who love them and yeah. it's because it's exactly what they want. Like there's no yeah. twists. There's no suspense. Like they want something really cheesy. They want that beautiful, like, like spontaneous love with good looking people that are not really great actors. And mm -hmm. like, yeah, that's what a hall. This is not a Hallmark movie. Um, I think it, it's it just in the cast. I, I think it's in the character development of it. It's in the way that information is revealed mm. um, about each of the other people and even the suspense in it. Right. Like, um, Miles and Iris, Kate Winslet and Jack Black are on a date. They're both separated from their people or whatever. And then his ex-girlfriend calls. She calls and is like, oh, you know, like, we need to talk. Like, you know, doing the whole, like, I made such a mistake. I, mm. We need to get back together, blah, 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 all that stuff. Mm. And it just ends with him on his face there. And then you don't see anything. And then you just cut to the Kate Winslet when Jasper makes his grand gesture of flying from england to los angeles to surprise her and it's where she has her main character moment and she stands up to him right but we don't know what's going on with with jack black like we don't we don't know what's going on we just leave him there and then she goes to the the writers guild of america event for arthur the old man and you know who comes running down right as arthur gets to the podium jack black right like you kind of knew it was coming, but it's in the way the information is revealed. Yeah, it, it definitely felt a little bit more natural, just a little bit more just like not forced in, in some ways, which you can definitely feel out of some more rom-coms, which I felt the second part, the other half of this part movie had more forced stuff in it. I don't think it was forced. I actually thought it, I, I thought it, I actually, I think adding the children into it and the divorced, or not the, the widowed part into it um, makes it really sweet because Jude Law like they do the opening where Kate Winslet has her monologue and we just see Jude Law at a bar like just like like a girl eyeing him because he's the only good looking man in England and mm. and uh you know he just like smiles and you you got the implication and then we don't see him until he knocks mm. on Iris's door unaware that Amanda Cameron Diaz is staying at that place who is it it's me hurry up it's freezing who are you? Iris, open the door or I swear I'm going to take a leak all over your front. Oh. You're not Iris. Or if you are, I'm much drunker than I realised. I'm sorry for my profanity. I wasn't expecting uh, you. <laughs> no, I wasn't expecting you either. 
Uh, nevertheless, may I just... Oh, yeah, of course, sure. You had to... Yeah. I'm Graham. Iris's brother. Oh, brother. Um, I, well, I'm Amanda Woods. I'm staying here. Amanda Woods? Is that all one word? <laughs> no. No, it's not. As previously stated, I'm uh, I've just, I've been on the, uh... She's in Los Angeles. That's not possible. Iris never goes anywhere. <laughs> we have that in common. Uh, no, she listed this cottage on a home exchange website and I found it. We uh, switch houses for two weeks for the holiday. She's in LA at my house and I'm here. Should we now explain what the plot of this movie is? Because we're about 20, 20 some odd minutes in and we just didn't even bother discussing the plot of the movie. If Tommy went on unmute, we could get his beautiful laugh yeah. on this podcast, <laughs> but uh, he decided to mute himself. Well, I'm here now. Uh, so basically, like the whole plot of it is just that, like, you know, Kate Winslet and Cameron Diaz are both just like recently get out of relationships, uh, essentially, you know, streamline a little bit. And they uh, decide they both need a vacation and they find this like website where it's just like a house swap thing where it's just like, oh, uh, Cameron Diaz, you can come to my house in England and I'll go to your house in uh, LA because I heard that this is a fun thing that people do. So that's how the motion of the plot gets set up. And that's one of those things that, like, that sounds so fucking unhinged to me. <laughs> Can you imagine doing that? Like, just like random stranger here, come to my house and I'll come to your house. <laughs> uh, Tommy, I don't know if you've heard of this website. It's called um, Airbnb.com. Um, well, that feels different. <laughs> no, I know it does. No, but yeah. I got from the I got from the the gist of it of what they wanted the site to be. Yeah, was that like you could just rent it? Like, I think Cameron Diaz went on there being like, "Can I get your house there?" And she was like, "I'm only looking for an exchange. Like, I'm not just like renting the house out." Now, obviously. The concept of Airbnb did not exist at that time. But this movie, if you talk to the Airbnb founders, they have a video. I'm not going to swear to God because I'm making this up on the spot. But they have a video where they say the holiday was the main inspiration for their. Uh... <laughs> you can see that just like in in, in right there. So it's just like, uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um so I mean, it's apparently like you know uh, the rise of like house swap things like uh, like rose after this movie, and like police had to tell people to be like very cautious about that because they're like, yeah, we've had cases of like robbery and like murder and like all this shit happened because of this. It's just like, yeah, you gotta be careful. Obviously, you gotta vet the people you do it. So it's just like no vetting whatsoever. Even Cameron Diaz with Jude Law at the door right there. She's like, oh sure, yeah, you can come in. Well, <laughs> Jude mean, Law, you're okay, safe. Okay, <laughs> if you if you saw that guy. Yeah, you're letting him in your house. As I said earlier, you know Jude Law looks in your eyes and says, "I think yeah. I'm falling in love with you." Oh yeah. god! Oh my! It, it, oh my god! It wasn't even shocking that like they had sex like literally like probably like 20 minutes later. Or it's just oh, like, my. okay, Jude Law's in your house and he's drunk and he's like kisses you. you... What, yeah. what do you? What, I mean, what am I? I mean, I'm not gay, but what am I supposed to do? You know, it's yeah. uh, exactly. you know he's a, he may not be your type, Tommy, but he's objectively. A gorgeous, yeah. a gorgeous yeah. man. So, I mean, I, I think I love that like Kate Winslet and Jula are in this movie because like they're typically like more known for like dramas and like period pieces and stuff like that, especially at the time um, before then. I think they both did really well with the material, and I think they both felt like more natural and like a more complimentary uh, setting. I feel like 
none of them I really associate with rom-coms. I feel like Cameron Diaz is probably the only one there that you would say Jack, is rom-commy, you know? Jack Black's been in a bunch, but Jack Black is usually the one that's like he's the, the best, best friend. He's the best friend. He's not the yeah. guy. Like, that doesn't count. Like, every actor when they're starting up has to just be the friend. You know who else was in this? Who was Cameron Diaz's editors? John Krasinski and Katherine Hahn. Like, yeah. you got to start somewhere, man. Like, you got to have those moments. Because, yeah, it was really uh, John Krasinski, like, a year into the office, I think, at that point. So just, like, you know, obviously it wasn't the big cultural no, that, that one, no, that's, like, season three-ish. That's, like, 06. Because this movie's 06. 06. So film in 05, The Office came out, what, 04? So season two? Yeah. 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 So, so, so this... What, this is when The Office was taking off that he probably got cast in this. Mm-hmm. Where's all those things where it's like, oh, that's Jim or something like that. So it is always funny watching those movies back. So yeah, you're right. This literally was right when season three started The Office. So like it was slowly starting to gain traction. <laughs> no, no, because season two is when um, they won best Emmy for best uh, original series. Mm-hmm. So I like that's the that was the moment. And then season three was where it's like must watch TV. Yeah, where everyone's talking about like, oh, yeah, have you seen the new episode of The Office at that yeah. point? <laughs> Well, I was having this conversation with friends just because we're on the office. You you mentioned it, Tommy. Um, and we were talking about because, like, you know, listen, we're a little older. And like, I remember being in school when the office came out. And I remember it was like, if you did not watch the office before going to school the next day, everybody was going to talk about it and you were going to get it spoiled and you weren't going to be able to contribute. And you had to make sure you watched the office because everybody watched it. I'll admit I was a little bit of a late horse to the office. I mean, I, I obviously I watched like here and there, like uh, you know, reruns and stuff like that. Green but... Day, The Office, Tommy. Oh God. Well, well, I mean, I, I got to see. I mean, I I watched a few episodes here and there, but it was never something like I watched every single episode until uh, I worked at Mattress Firm back in the day, and Mattress Firm was so slow that they would let you like do whatever you wanted, like when you're at work. So I ended up watching every single episode of The Office, um, in the span of a month. So that was how slow that job was. <laughs> Just wake up. Watch The Office, watch a few episodes where you're making breakfast, go to work, watch seven episodes of The Office, go home, watch a few more episodes of The Office. It was it was a time of my life. I'll say that. <laughs> and I have... No, is that the wrong movie? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, because we were talking about how it's like so popular with like Gen Z and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. And that and it's like, no, you guys don't get it. Like, like, like you don't get how you don't get how big it was at the time people were like we're finding it like it was just a cult hit when it was out it's like no no dude, no, no dude, i remember big. like in sixth grade i think sixth grade was when the office premiered um and i remember people like even then in sixth grade in the gym locker room were talking about it and like making quotes about it over and over again so something you couldn't avoid <laughs> and and also think about it with with the office like it came out like steve carell's on it and then oh five is the 40 year old virgin where steve carell became a list mm. So talk about run. Yeah, no, but I'm saying like it just it gave the office that much more traction. Mm -hmm. Well, that's why I didn't cancel it, because I think the first season was supposed to be like didn't do too well or it was just like, okay, it was. And then they're like, you know, 40 year old virgin was coming out and like, we should probably keep this. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. They were like, oh, oh, the Steve Carell guy. Kind of funny. Kind of a funny guy. Um, But that's not what the premise of this movie is. Uh, uh, It's not the office, even though John Krasinski's in it. Mm. Um, but yeah, Cam- Cam- Cameron Diaz, Jude Law, like as we showcased, the chemistry was there, like in- initially from the spark of when they met. Mm. Um, I really think him having the daughters and keeping it a secret after Cameron Diaz kind of shared everything that happened to her in her life, like her parents getting divorced, right? 
Mm. She was like, we used to be the three musketeers. I cried myself to sleep. And then he, you know, she surprises him at his house, sees his daughter as they're lying in the tent, which was adorable. You have to admit set design. Oh, it, it, it was adorable. But I'll, I'll admit that like that scene of like, you know, him revealing the kids, like kind of made my eyes roll. Where I was like, of course, this is where the movie goes right there. So it felt like very predictable, almost like in the Hallmark sense where it's just like, oh, like Cameron Diaz's story. She's this uptight person that works too much. And like, you know, she yeah, needs to yeah, relax yeah. and goes down and then like she meets this guy who. At first, he seems cool, and then they say, "Oh, you have a kid, and like you have a widow, and you you're really charming and sensitive, and take care of all these kids." And it kind of just made me feel like typical Hallmark movie bullshit, almost. And it, obviously, this is a little better than better than that. Not a little it's, better; it's a lot better. It's a lot better, yeah, in terms of production value and acting, directing, and all that. But and writing, it just, writing, <laughs> writing, and writing. But but plot, everything else. But but plot wise, but but plot wise is just like ah oh god, like of course this is where it's fucking going. right. But 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 you got to think of it from Nancy Myers' perspective, mm-hmm. and like obviously I don't know what was going on in her head when she wrote this screenplay, but it's like I have this like interesting idea for Kate Winslet. Like it's it's a it's a character journey for her to overcome like her dependence on somebody that's toxic but to get people in the theaters i can set this i can set this other thing in this really cute whimsical british town where the snow is always falling and it's cold and they'll have beautiful winter jackets also cameron diaz she is the greatest runner in heels i've ever seen in my life when she gets out of that car to return back to jude law and she is just sprinting in heels down an icy road i she was just booking and i was like goddamn girl impressive impressive legs impressive yeah so she apparently said this is like one of the most like physically demanding movies she's ever in because of how much she had to do the the running right there so uh i mean i'm not not to nitpick but to nitpick a little bit it was one of those things like how much faster was it going to take her to fucking just wait in the car oh it wasn't going to take any better it made no she would have gotten there way faster if she stayed in the fucking car yeah yeah absolutely no way she's running 10 miles per hour for a mile down the road in high heels yeah it was just like she would have been. I mean, it, it worked because like whatever it worked for the movie and it was like very cinematic, but it was also cliche in a way. But it was like, come on, like if I was Cameron Diaz, I was like, all right, well, fine, just get stay in the car. I mean, Jude Law's probably not going anywhere for a little bit. I can I can wait. <laughs> and you know, the movie, you know, the second that she uh, in the beginning of the movie, she's like, you know, I never cried. I was just waiting for that moment where like Jude Law oh, was you gonna make she, her cry. She, she you knew what I mean? Like that's what's gonna happen. Yeah, you knew that's and Jude Law, he's like, a crier. He's a real crier. He admits it. He balls all the time. Yes, he's a sensitive, <laughs> gentle, caring man, and that's just what women want. Man, they want women want men crying in their laps. That's re- you know they don't say it, but that's really what they want. I'm yeah. kidding. If you're a guy and you're trying to you know you have a girl, you're like don't don't cry in her lap it, it, unless you're like mom dies or something. Ah, if you want to, you want to. Whatever. We're not we're not going to give out dating advice here on having seen. It. Yeah, I would say Tommy and I'm probably not the uh, <laughs> dating experts here. So that's why I have a podcast. <laughs> All right. That, I think that's the transition right there, baby. <laughs> I am a star. I'm a star, I'm a star, I'm a star. I am a big, bright, shining star. Tommy, I, the, I feel like for the first time in a really long time, like this is one where it's like, who's the star of this movie? Because it, I think it's I. I'm not sure where I'm going to go with this. To be completely honest with you, I think it's I think it's trickier. Yeah, I, I this is definitely like a like four co lead movie kind of thing. But like, 
of all of them, I'd probably say Kate Winslet was probably my favorite. I mean, Kate Winslet opens up the movie and like kind of closes the movie. I feel like she has the most dramatic moments in this movie. She has the most interesting plot line in the movie too. So I think her performance was also great. And she showed that she can like work in more of like a present day setting in terms of acting and like was charming and like lightly humorous and stuff like that. So I'm going to go with Kate Winslet here. Yeah. And it just shows off like such a sweet, caring, like side of her, you know what I mean? Like she just like is able to re- like, the fact that, you know, she didn't know anybody there, but she, you know, her old 90-year-old neighbor who she had no idea who he was and, mm-hmm. you know, and then walks in and it's like, oh, this is a Hollywood screenwriting legend mm-hmm. in this house um, here. I mean, I'm, I was just falling in love with Jude Law on this, on this watch through, man. Like, oh, my <laughs> God, dude. I I mean, I... Yeah, you I get feel, it. You get I it. I feel like there was the joke a while ago because I feel like in this this was the era where Jude Law just said yes to everything mm. to fund his cocaine problem. <laughs> Allegedly, so, so, a, alleged cocaine <laughs> problem that is there's no evidence of. Maybe the first time it's ever said because I. But we make we make cocaine jokes a lot on this podcast, believe <laughs> it or not. And I really like Jude Law. I really like all four of them in this. Honestly, <laughs> like it was just perfectly cast. Yeah, it, it was, there wasn't really a weak link in terms of like the four main leads right there. So I, I will worked. I will say it's not in performance. I will say, and maybe it's to, it's probably to the story's benefit, but I felt like Miles was underwritten and not in the movie. Jack Black's that. character, yeah. Like I felt like we didn't get it. We didn't get enough of him really in this. Like he has the least amount of screen time out of the four of them by a mile. Yeah, and like I get well, it's more because it's 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 Kate Winslet's. It's Iris's story. Mm-hmm. Because like Cameron Diaz's ex, like once he's out of the picture, he's out of the picture. Um, like you know, Jasper st- remains throughout the entire movie. And first of all, in terms of like, if we're gonna pl- pop a little holes in here, all right. So mm-hmm. so they work together, and then he starts dating a girl on the other floor. So everybody in the office knows that this dude is sleeping with both of them. Yeah. And she's like, how does it not get back to the other girl that gets engaged? Well, no, no, I, I think that it was like that, you know, that um, once he started seeing this girl, they stopped sleeping together and they were just friends. But it, he was a, a very emotionally needy friend where he was. Constantly no, it's emotional. It's emotionally abusive is what it is. Yeah, exactly. Where he was just like constantly dumping on her and stuff like that stuff that like should have been with his girlfriend and stuff like that. And just like, you know, kind of leading Kate Winslet on over and over again, where she constantly couldn't get over him because like she constantly was getting like signals from him and stuff like that, and like wondering what if. So, um, yeah, maybe, maybe it was. I kind of took it that like he still uh, took her for a ride every now and then, an emotional ride, I think. <laughs> Definitely an emotional ride, but I meant more of a yeah, yeah. Know. Well, I, I know, I know which ride you're talking about, but yeah, I want to take was... a ride on your disco stick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Ah, are you ready, comedy partner? Waka waka. Now, Tommy, would the holiday work as a Muppet adaptation? This like isn't quirky enough of a rom com. I feel like to it work as a um, Muppet adaptation. Are you are you disagreeing? I'm seeing your face right here. You're disagreeing. You you think it could? I I just want to see this entire movie be Muppets and Jack Black as the only human, because I just want to see Jack Black work with the Muppets, to be completely honest with you. He's done it before. He, he was in the Muppet movie, uh, the 2011 one. Was he really? I, I can't yeah. remember. Oh, God damn it. He was a big part of that movie. Like, they kidnap him, and he's the host of the Muppet show for that movie, and I'm like... Oh, no, I think all... he, he... Yeah, he's... it was the 2011 one. He was, like, animals, uh, like, 
anger management instructor and stuff like that in the drum circle. And then like uh, the whole point of the movie is that like, you know, when they run the Muppet show, they get a celebrity guest and the celebrity guest they get is Jack Black who they kidnap and Jack Black. I thought that was Zach Galifianakis. Oh no, he was the, he was the homeless dude. No, no, no. So yeah, Jack Black was in the Muppet movie. (laughs) The Jason Segel one. Now I feel like a fraud. Oh my God. God, I mean, I also haven't seen that movie in like six or seven years. So like, yeah, so you know, someone got us to rewatch him. So uh, I did watch that. I did watch Muppet Christmas Carol last week. Great movie. But yeah, of course, this... I, it'll be on like it'll be on the week before Christmas for me. Um, exactly. Wait, have I, have I ever told you my first Jack Black experience? What? What? OK, so my first like I didn't know who he was. And then School of Rock came out. Mm. And do you know how I saw School of Rock for the very first time? How? So. Kevin Miller, a guy we went to high school with, great guy. He, um, for his third or fourth grade birthday party, got a limo and took us from Westchester County, where we grew up, into the city, New York City. Mm. We went to Jekyll and Hyde Restaurant, which is like one of those like touristy kind of places. But if you're in fourth grade, it's awesome. They do like the shows with all the Jekyll and Hyde stuff. Yeah. And then we went and saw School of Rock in theaters and then took a limo back. And let me tell you, as a as an eight year old, that is like the coolest possible day you can have. And then you know my street, oh. right? Like it's that one way little gravel road. That limo dropped yeah. me off at my house, and it took it twenty minutes to get off that street. It was it was awesome. <laughs> Just it, a yeah, limo back and dropping uh, dropping back and forth. Oh my god, dude! But yeah, that's my Jack Black. Story. This may shock you, but but this may shock you, but the first time I saw School of Rock was only last year. <laughs> You, you couldn't have waited just a little bit longer so we could have covered School of Rock on this podcast, Tommy. Yeah. This is My... this was like this is like four months before we even started thinking about doing a podcast or something like that. So uh, you know, we just missed the window right there. Could have had it right there. <laughs> we also could have lied and just done it anyway. That's true. That's true. We could also always do that. <laughs> but we haven't we haven't done that because we're integral and a lot of integrity. We I mean, I'm pretty sure we extend windows. We extend windows of when we've seen movies when we're like, we want yeah. to do it and we have our schedule already laid out. We'll just do it next month. But where we have integrity, it's within a, it's in the within the window of the podcast. Nothing we've I mean, seen I'm, before. I'm pretty sure that I saw E.T. before but when I was a kid and I did not remember a single thing of that movie. So it counted. That's, that's <laughs> fine. That's totally yeah. fine. Um, <laughs> all right, Tommy, review time. Give me a score to five. So uh, I think that this is like a review that has to be in two parts almost. I really like the Kate Winslet part and like with Jack Black, I think that that part, if either rate it, would be a four out of five. Um, the chemistry between them was really fun. I think the plot was very engaging and just like overall much more like any time that that plot was on, I was always engaged and really wanted. But uh, if I had to rate the Cameron Diaz part, Jude Law, very cliche, wasn't as big of a fan of it. So it was just like kind of just, I was waiting there. I was just like, come on, can we just speed up to this? And it didn't help that I watched this movie with commercials on. So it just oh. made that much longer. Yeah. yeah, I don't have Hulu with live TV, so I had to just Amazon Prime it. I didn't have a choice. Uh, we watched it on TBS this morning, so it was TBS, but like uh, not live TV, but it was just like yeah, know, no, the, the thing I had the but I had the thing where because like I wanted my Hulu, but I don't have the mm-hmm. live TV on it, and I click mm-hmm. it, and it was it. I, I you know I couldn't. Um, yeah. So I mean, it, it made a movie that was already like two hours and sixteen minutes, like ended up being like three hours, which you know was a little bit of a marathon, but still, I like this movie. The Cameron Diaz part, I have to rate like a 2.5 out of 5. So if I had to do an average of the both, I'd give this movie probably like a 3.5 out of 5. Uh, liked it. I let the Caitlin Zoe part a lot more than the Cameron Diaz part. I'm going to echo your sentiments here, Tommy. I think 3.5 out of 5 is very fair. 
and very true to what this movie is. I think in terms, like, I think I said when we did 50 first or not 500 days of summer, like for me, like rom-coms on a scale, I just like outside of when Harry met Sally, which is I, oh, tremendous, but like, this is a really, really, really good um, romantic comedy. And I think especially from the era that it's from when most of them are like kind of trash, mm. in my opinion, this yeah. one just really stands out from having like a unique dynamic it doesn't really have the best friend element in it you know what i mean and like arthur mm. is the only best friend character in it and he's like fully developed he has a whole arc in it mm. and i think like it that just adds to it it's really about the characters um it has its cliche moments as it should and as it does but there's a reason it's a rewatchable um it's a holiday staple um and yeah Three and a half out of five. The holiday. Now, Tommy, any final thoughts? All right. So thank you guys so much for listening. You can follow us on social media at Pod. That's on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And leave us a five-star review while you're listening to us on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. It really helps us out. Uh, next week, we're covering a Christmas classic that I somehow have never seen in my life. Uh, it's a wonderful life. Never seen it. I don't know how. <laughs> Tommy, I, I have a I have a warning for you just uh, ahead of time. Yeah. If you give this movie anything less than a four and a half out of five, <laughs> it's over. <laughs> it's, it's over, man. I, I yeah. I I I I just forewarn that because I know older movies. Like I th- I think it's like incredible, and I think in terms of if you watch it from the lens of it's older, so it's not gonna it, you know you're gonna see stuff in it, but. Like, I really hope you appreciate for what it is and why it's still worth watching today, because it is. It is. And I think it's probably the greatest Christmas movie ever made. All right. Well, I'm excited to watch it. So it's also uh, kind of it's also in the diehard realm of not really a Christmas movie. And you'll understand exactly what I mean when you watch. it. All right. Yeah. (laughs) Can't wait. (laughs) So thank you guys all so much for listening today. We'll see you next week.